If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm chapter 6. So one of our, one of the earliest psalms. Here, Psalm chapter 6. We'll be looking at, uh, at all of that together in, in just a few moments. Psalm chapter 6. I'll, uh, I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Some of you... Um, may have been like me when I was growing up. We had uh, Bible drills. Sometimes they call them sword drills, I think, in the uh, Sunday school stuff in which uh, you would learn uh, the books of the Bible and then you would test how, how well you knew them uh, by having a bit of a competition. And so uh, they would say, everyone hold your, your sword and everyone would hold up uh, their Bible and they would say, Psalm 6, verse 1. Psalm 6, 1. Go. Everyone goes, goes for it and see whoever could find Psalm 6, verse 1 first would stand and uh, would, would say that phrase. I'm not going to put you to the test this morning, uh, but, uh, but hopefully you, are, um, you, you know the books of the Bible and uh, you're reading it every day and you're familiar uh, with, with this great psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 6, uh, beginning verse 1. Let me read it for you. Beginning verse 1 says this, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out. From my groaning, all night long, I flood my bed with weeping, and I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Let's pray. Heavenly God, I thank you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit lead us through it now. Teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the late 1950s, a king who was, uh, was in America, who uh, would quickly was becoming a man who, whose name would be known around the world, a young Elvis Presley from a town, a small town in Mississippi, had moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and was being acclaimed now as the uh, king of rock and roll. He had taken the, the rock and roll world by storm. And yet in the late, teen, late 1950s, after uh, being named kind of halfway through the decade as the, the king of rock and roll, and he'd become uh, the, the greatest recording artist of, of all time by that time, he sat down and he recorded a simple old hymn from the church, which is still sung in many churches today. It was written by a pastor by the name of Thomas Dorsey after the death of his wife. Now, it's not the type of upbeat, uh, dance-along song which Elvis was quite famous for. But the words simply go like this. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I'm alone. 
Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on. Now, we are good at the church, the church in general, at singing God's praises when we're in a good place. We're not so good as a church at giving people, giving each other permission to be real. But yeah, we have to recognize that at times we feel like singing and dancing, and at times we would say, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm going through the storm and the night. Lead me, Lord, to the light. What I mean to say is we often put on our Sunday best, our best clothes, our best smile, our best mask that says to everyone else at church, it's all okay, everything's fine, it's all good with me. Sometimes we really do feel like shouting out, praise the Lord. But other times, if we're honest, even while we're here to worship, you may be feeling lost, confused, brokenhearted. A week. And you know what? That's okay. I'm so thankful that being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that we always have to have it together. We don't have to have it together all the time. I'm so thankful that God's Word is filled with numerous examples of times when people struggle, when they're weak, even to the point of exhaustion. In this reading today, David was a time like that. He was a time of Deep sorrow and depression. This is the first of what we call the the penitent psalms. It has a very different tone than many of the psalms that we often focus on. The psalms of praise and and honor and glory to God. So the writer begins in verses 1 to 3 by simply saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry, Lord, that that my sin has brought me so far away from you. Now, what sin? We don't know. We don't know what the the psalmist David was writing about, and it doesn't really matter, because any sin separates us from God. And this time, the writer is in, in anguish over the sin and over this separation from God. And so he cries out, Please, God, please forgive me. Listen to that cry. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, for my bones are in in agony. Verse 1 to 3, he's saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Draw close to me. Let me feel that love again. Verses 3 to 7, he goes on and talks about what that separation has caused him, what the difficulty that he's going through has caused him. He goes on to to cry to God. How long? How long until you draw close again? How long until I can feel close to you and feel that loving presence? Have you ever felt distant from God? Have you ever felt that the pain and the difficulty that you're going through in whatever situation you're in will never stop? That's where this psalmist David is at at the moment. In this psalm, he's going, God, how long? Are you going to let this continue? How long until I can feel your loving embrace again? Lord, deliver me because your love never fails. Save me, Lord. Don't let this situation kill me. 
Because in death, no one can hear me singing out your praises. Lord, turn this situation around and use it for your glory. Isn't that beautiful? How long, Lord, until I can feel your presence? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? God, I want to use, I want you to use this terrible situation, whatever it is, I want you to use this darkness. Deliver me from it and use this to shine light on your glory and your praise. Use even this, dark, this darkness, this situation I'm in right now, the struggle and the pain. Lord, I know that you can turn this around and use it for your glory. But he says right now, verse 6 says, I'm tired. I'm tired of the groaning. Verse 7 says, I'm tired, I'm tired of the tears. Some of you, either you're in a situation or you've been in a situation where you say, I thought the tears would never stop flowing. I thought the pain would never stop. Someone says, I'm tired of the groaning, I'm tired of those tears. In our life as a follower of Jesus, there may be times of great joy and and great celebration, great delight, but there may be also times of great sorrow and great struggle. Sorrow and struggle that we may think may never end. There'll be times when we feel the, fear, the tears will never stop flowing from our eyes. David wasn't the only person who wondered what God was doing, who was ridiculed or, or in, a, in a dark place at times. One of the great prophets, Ezekiel. Prophets are interesting. If you read through uh, either the major prophets or the minor prophets, especially the major prophets, these bigger books, God asked them to do some strange things. Ezekiel was one of those characters. In Ezekiel 4, you see the story where God asked Ezekiel to lie on his side, on his left side, for 390 days and mourn the 390 years that the nation of Israel had turned away from God. And then after he'd lied... Uh, it, it laid there on his, on his left side for 390 days. He was to roll over and lay on his right side for 40 days to mourn 40 years of the, the, the kingdom of Judah turning away from God. Now, I don't like to sit still too long. I like to kind of um, to go and... Uh, um, you know, just to kind of keep going, keep busy. One thing, I think if I, if I sit down, I'm probably going to be asleep. Uh, so you kind of go and go and go. But Ezekiel here was asked to lie on his side and just lay there for 390 days and then to turn over and lie there for another 40 days. You must have wondered, what in the world are you doing here, God? Why would you ask such a thing? Why? I could be used in so many different ways. Why would you ask this of me? Why would you put me... In this situation, Prophet Jeremiah was also put in difficult circumstance in that he preached and he preached and he preached that Israel would be destroyed if they don't turn away, or turn away from their sin and turn back to God. And yet, they refused to do that, and, and Jeremiah had to witness the destruction of Israel with great sorrow and suffering. And in his sermons, preaching about what was to come. He's commonly known as the, the weeping prophet. He cries out over what is about to happen. The darkness. 
preaching about the death and destruction was to come. And knowing that that was all going to happen because the people wouldn't turn back to God. Must have been such sorrow. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about something he calls the thorn in his flesh. Now, no one knows what that is. Is it a physical ailment? Is it something else? But he says there are three times that I ask God to remove this thorn in my flesh, but he has placed it there so that I don't become arrogant or um, full of myself. I've asked him three times to remove this thorn in my flesh, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power will show up in your weakness. My power will be shown in your weakness. Now that sounds great for us if you're not going through a time of weakness. If you're not going through a difficulty, sounds great, isn't it? His power is strong when we are weak. We used to sing a song, His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. Oh, I, I claim those promises because so often we think, God, I don't know how much longer I can go. I don't know how much longer I can keep going. You see, it's more difficult to feel that as a loving promise when you're in the middle of that hardship, when you're in the middle of that situation where you're saying, God, please take this from me. God, take away this pain. God, take away these tears. Take away this difficult situation. And God says, my grace is sufficient. God says, don't worry, because I will show my power in this time of weakness. When you were in the darkness, when you were in the struggle, when you were your bed full of tears, I will use that. So don't worry. Jesus, even Matthew chapter 26, talks about Jesus praying right before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knows that he's about to have to endure one of the most gruesome forms of capital punishment the world has known. And he prays in agony. His sweat becomes like drops of blood. And Jesus cries out and says, God, if there's any way that this cup can pass for me, then let's go that way. But Lord, let your will be done, not mine. Great men of faith in the Bible. He said Jesus himself, in his earthly form, suffered greatly. They experienced great loss, great sorrow. They grew tired and weary and worn. And yet, even though we will at times feel a great profound struggle, God is forever strong. Look at how David concludes this prayer in verses 8 to 10. This is great. Verse 8 to 10 says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy, and the Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. This is great. This is great. Because he recognizes that even in the heart of the struggle, God is still strong. Even when he's saying, God, when are these tears going to stop? My bed is flooded with tears. My lounge is covered in tears. I can't stop the crying. I can't stop the pain. My bones ache. I long for redemption. I long for healing. And in the midst of it all, he says, Oh, but enemies, you better watch out. Because God 
in the midst of this struggle, God hears my cries. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of this situation that it seems will never end, in the midst of the agony, God is strong and He hears my cries. He better back up. He better back off because God hears my cries. And there's, you know, I, one thing I know about parenting, I don't think there's anything a parent recognizes quicker than the sound of their baby's cry. You know it, don't you? You can hear a baby cry in another room. You can, be, you can have other kids there. You hear a baby cry, and you know that cry of your child. In fact, sometimes you may hold, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, it's not mine. That's fine. You know, somebody else's kid. And not only do you know the cry, you often know what that cry means. And you might go, hold on, let me listen. Oh, no, they're just being cranky about something. That's fine. But you know that cry when they're hurt. And nothing better stand in your way than trying to get to that child. God knows your cries. He hears your cries. And better believe it, God responds. Now sometimes as a parent, you may hear the cry of your baby and you may rush to pick them up and embrace them. Other times, your baby may need to cry. They may need to calm themselves to sleep. They may need to be part of their maturity and their growth. Is that sometimes allowing them just a moment, just a season, just a time to cry. And then you go and you let them know you're there. Sometimes God may be doing the same thing. As a good parent, when God hears you cry, sometimes He just comes running. Sometimes he responds in a different way, in whatever way he knows is best. Verse 10 says, All will be put back as it should be. But God is in control. He is faithful and he is strong. Church, I just want to say this morning, it is okay to get tired. It's okay to be down sometimes. It's okay to experience times of profound Grief and loss, none of us want it. But we have to give each other permission to grieve. We have to give each other permission to win sometimes. Some of us are pretty good at that. But some of us, when we're at church, we want to put on our best. Everything's good. How's the marriage? All good. How's the kids? All good. But you don't want to tell someone that you just had a fight with your wife right before you left to live, that you wanted to strangle your kids before you left. Not really, but just, you may want it to. We have to give each other permission to be real. God does. He knows when you're in your sorrow. He knows when you're in that darkness. And we have to remind each other that even in those times when it seems like the tears will never stop, God is there and He is strong. Isn't it good to be reminded that we're going to have difficult times, but... We can trust in God no matter what. Psalm 40 is a great psalm that says, I waited for you, God, and you heard my cry. You lifted me up out of the the pit, out of the mud, and you set my feet on the solid rock again, and you put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. Psalm 30 says, You are the God who turns my sorrow into dancing. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? 
when you're in the middle of that sorrow and you don't think it's ever going to end, he said, God is a God who can turn that mourning and that sorrow into dancing. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we need not fear. We need not worry, no matter what happens in life, because God is strong and God is faithful. Psalm 91 says, Under the wings of God you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? He says there's going to be tough times. There's going to be rough times. There's going to be dark times. But He is the light. He is your refuge. He is your shelter. He is your shield. You may experience times when God feels distant. He is not. He is here. You may feel times when you feel you can't go on. God is there to hold you. You may experience times when you feel the tears may never stop. Find comfort and strength in the mighty arms of God, for He is faithful. Let me just pray for us. God, I thank You and I praise You for who You are. For You, Lord, are not just God in the sunny days and in the great times. You are God in our great times of sorrow, our great times of suffering, when we feel the anguish may never end. God, You are still strong and You are still faithful and You are still here for us to walk through life with us, to carry us when we cannot go on, to be, be for us perfect strength when all our strength is gone. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are, a mighty, mighty God, mighty to save, mighty to love, mighty to rescue. You are our Redeemer. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the cross, for the price you are willing to pay to offer to us eternal life, that our sins and our failures will not be held against us, for you have paid the price for it. You offer to us life. Thank you for the hope we have in you. Lord, help us to recognize that things aren't always going to be sunny. Things aren't always going to be great. Help us, Lord, to give each other, as your church, permission to cry, permission to struggle, permission to be in darkness at times and to admit it and to say that life is not always going our way, but to know that even in those dark times, you are on your throne, you are God, you are faithful, you are strong, and you can turn even our darkest of sorrows into dancing. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, in every situation, help us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.